This is Dubai Eye 103.8. Your top five guide to getting ahead in business on Starting Up. Welcome to Starting Up, Shane Phillips. Uh, thanks for having me. It's great to see you again. It's been a while. Um, and friend of Dubai Eye, Shane Phillips, he is from the Phillips Group, the CEO. It's um, a management consultancy. It's a good way to describe what you guys do, I guess. Yes, we specialize in board and CEO placement. So we're always interviewing the top performers across the Middle East. So before we get into these tips, Shane, what's your take on, on the whole dressing and dressing? I was going to escape this. I was going to get away with this. But you know, you're bring it back you to me. Know, yeah? You know. But you can't escape this with that jacket and a pocket square that you have on. And we know which side you're on already. Yeah, well, see, I think that uh, if you you should dress for success, you know, look like a million bucks to make a million bucks. And when you start to, you know, I was just listening to what you're saying, where you're saying, you know, if you're not facing a customer, you're not facing a client, then it doesn't matter. I really don't agree with that because, you know, it's it's really about having a high self-esteem, about having the right self-confidence, about coming to the table and saying, hey, I'm a top performing professional. I'm in the top 1% for what I do. So you should dress like it. You should walk like it. You should talk like it. You should smell like it. Like it and you should make it happen so i guess f- for you you're here today you look very smart today shane but i would say when i see you in the week when you're during the working week if you're ever on my show or anything like that you are three-piece suit kind of braces kind of guy um and i said that to george I did, george hadn't met you before and i said shane i know what shane will say because he dresses and he takes how he dresses not only how he dresses but living and breathing your your professionalism that's what you believe in well, I think when you, a lot of people, when, when people are just saying, okay, if I'm in the office, I'll dress one way and when I'm out, I'll dress another, then they, they're, they're subscribing to a work-life balance philosophy, which means I have my life, it's separate from my work, and, and, and when you take that approach, you're automatically not going to be a top performer. So you really want to come to the table and say, my life's work, what am I going to dedicate my life to? What's my contribution to the world going to be? And I'm going to work towards that. So that, in that instance, when I walk down the street, opportunities will be passing me left and right but I'm not ready for them because I'm I'm dressed in my gym shirt I might see a big CEO I don't want to engage with him because I'm not dressed ready and I'm not looking smart I'm not representing my personal brand properly so you want to be ready for opportunities when you sit on an airplane when you sit in an uh, elevator when you're riding the escalator there are people who have business for you who have opportunities for you that could change your life but you're missing them because you're only looking at opportunities when you're sitting at your desk in the office and that's not how life works just one one more thing before we move on to um, those topics. I guess y- y- you would you interview and you speak to lots of top CEOs in this region. You place them. Um, how they appear to you, even in a casual meeting over a coffee, does that you know? Do you think about how they present themselves? Do you advise them on how to dress when they go meet um, potential prospective employers? Absolutely. So uh, 80% of our communication is nonverbal. So part of it will, you know, part of, especially when a CEO is, is looking to make a job move, there will be a lot of uh, expanding of the chest, fluffing of the feathers. They're <laughs> definitely going to try to make themselves look better than they are. Um, so we will look for signs of distress. So if someone isn't trimming their fingernails, if they haven't had their hair cut, if they didn't have a shower that day, these are signs that this person is under duress, but they will not admit that. They will tell you, I'm really happy where I am. Things are going great. I'm up for a promotion. When in reality, they're about to get sacked or terminated. And so we'll start to look at how they dress. Is your shirt pressed? Has your suit been dry clean? Are you wearing the, or are you wearing the same clothes for the last three days? So, you know, we'll start to look for 
or are you disheveled or are you put together? You're pruning and grooming as a sign of what kind of stress levels you're under, right? Uh, so I think it does take into effect. And then also, uh, if a person, especially at the CEO level, doesn't understand personal branding, then how will they be able to understand branding for their organization, right? Indeed. No, very good points. Shane, we're on the same page for probably once and the, the single only time on radio, I think. Really, it's, more, it's more concerning when that happens. I know. <laughs> Honestly, we never agree on anything. This I'm, I'm completely on board with. Um, do get in touch if you have an opinion on that, 4001 or via the Dubai iMessaging app. Also head over to Instagram and Twitter. We're running the poll there. Now, Shane, it is time to get into your top five tips and we're going to start here. Number one. So this is about reality does not exist. It's probably the most Shane Phillips phrase I've ever heard. Tell me what it means. So uh, you know when you when you when you look at your 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 reality, you can't be bound by reality. So, for example, if you take Arnold Schwarzenegger, he said he was going to win Mr. Olympia and become a multimillionaire. But the person who won Mr. Olympia before he did only made fifteen hundred dollars. So your friends and family around you would say it's not realistic that you're going to make a million dollars when you win Olympia because the last person who made it, you know, is a thousand five hundred dollars, not enough for like two months' rent. So it's not realistic, right? So I don't think you need to be realistic when you set your big goals or you set your dreams. The point of a dream is that it's not realistic. If the dream was realistic, it wouldn't be a dream anymore. So I think you can't be bound by reality, but I think at the same time, you need to be in touch with reality. Okay, so I guess you're encouraging people to dream big, think big, and act big. Yes, and I think the, uh, the other point is that you really need to believe in yourself and listen to your inner voice. So if you plant a maple tree in a forest of oak, you know, it's not going to try to be an oak tree, you know. And sometimes if you start trying to look at reality, you start looking around you and you say, oh, well, maybe I should have acorns and maybe I should be. But really, you're, an a you're a maple tree, so you shouldn't do that at all, right? So I think you really need to look inside more about where you're going in your life than what people are really doing is looking in the market and what can I get from the market and where can I go? Well, you're really going to find your success by looking inwards and being who you're really meant to be, not being what you think the market wants you to be. Oh, I thought you were going to say something, George. No. Nope. Um, one of no, the I'm things listening. one of the things that I remember, you one of your big things, Shane, is what what are, what are people reading? Yes, absolutely. Because at the core, you know, when you look at your success, you want to focus on building capabilities, not build, not going after titles or salaries. Um, titles, salaries, these things can move. Focus on your capabilities. Focus on developing uh, yourself as a professional. If you're in sales, what do I need? Where are my gaps? Do I am I am I losing on pitching? Am I losing on closing? Am I losing on prospecting? And then read the best books on closing, pitching, process, wherever your gap is, right? And uh, business is like being in, you know, if you're in university, you can't get up in the middle of an exam and go over and look at the smartest kids' answers. In business, you're allowed to go and look at the smartest kids' answers. So know who the greats of your industry are, but more importantly, find out why they're great. You know, and you look at people here, for example, they could be running a hotel or, or, or someone owns a series of hotels. You know, did you read J.W. Marriott's book? He tells you how he built the Marriott. Did you read Isidore Sharp's book? He tells you how he built the Four Seasons, right? So fundamentally, you know, you should be reading all the time, right? This is how you develop your knowledge. Lucy says, has Shane ever met a female CEO? I'm guessing not, as he only refers to male examples in all of his comments. I mean, 15 minutes and no, no complaints that about Shane is pretty good though, anyway. That uh, you wouldn't say... 
actually most of my there's I think I have more women than men in my company, but um, I don't. I don't see how what I said was sexist at all. I mean, I think it's just way left you, field. <laughs> that was a bit of a curveball. He two CEOs, yeah. Uh, well, Lucy's just saying he's only referring or making examples. I think she just means like we're saying he. How oh, if a I guy he he and not she? Yeah, I think I think that's well, what she's coming from. I think from. it's just a social stigma that you wouldn't refer to how woman looks. It's a bit more. Uh, you know, it's kind of been ingrained in us. <laughs> But yeah, absolutely. You know, if, if, if a woman comes to an interview and we would be looking for the same signs of distress and, you know, where that uh, comes back is once you go into the salary negotiation, you'll be much more aggressive with a candidate that you know is under duress than someone who, who's not, right? I'm just looking at my nails now and thinking, oh, one of them's chipped. Is Shane judging me? Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. I, I bite my nails, so it probably, I'll probably fail that test as well. Okay, know. don't give Georgia, don't place Georgia in a job then. Yeah. Let's move on. We've got now um, to look at, we've had tip number one. If The first tip was about reality not existing. You used an example uh, of Arnie and the fact that he was ambitious, set, set big targets. Let's move on. Number two. And this is about being humble and... Something that I think is interesting, take your competitors out for lunch. Most people don't even want to sit down in the same room, let alone take them for lunch. Oh, yeah. I think, well, first of all, you need to be constantly learning, especially in this environment, this disruptive environment that we're facing. And the prerequisite for learning is humility. So when I come to you and I say, Natalie, wow, you're doing so great on the radio. Can you teach me or can I learn from you? Then immediately I'm expressing humility, right? So when you lose a pitch call up the competitor you lost the pitch to or you lost the business to and say, hey, can I take you lunch? I want to congratulate you. Great job. You won that. And they're probably going to enjoy it. You know, they said nothing better than having your competitor take you for lunch and congratulate you. Uh, but then you start to learn, why am I losing? Why did they take market share from me? Why did I lose that client? Right? And so I think humility and at the core is intellectual curiosity. Call up your competitors or call up the people who are the top performers in the market or in the world because you can get them through LinkedIn. Have a conference call and say, wow, you're doing, you're one of the top people in the world. What would your advice to be to someone who wants to improve their game? And you'd be surprised how much you learn. Uh, do, do you think though that, I mean, I'm thinking if I'm a small business owner here and I'm, let's take Janet, for example, Janet was just in, she's um, seasons by design. If there was someone else doing the same thing, you think that, that the other person would say, this is why I got Harvey Nichols and not Bloomingdale's to take my decorations this year. You think that your competitors will give, divulge that information to you? Yes, because first of all, people who are running a business, they're obsessive, that they're, they're like one dimensional, they're myopically focused on selling shoes, right? And nobody else wants to talk to them about selling shoes. So the second that they have an outlet to have that kind of peer to peer sharing, that they're, they're, they're going to go wild. And she could also call people like Mickey Jagtiani, who's working at Landmark, who's, you know, who sold, I think, you know, 15 million or 20 million pairs of shoes last year. You know, you can, you can go and talk, and talk to the people. They will engage with you. If you call 10 people and, and nine of them tell you, no, I'm not talking to you, but one out of 10 does, that one out of 10 will give you so much information. It's worth the nine rejections. Would you, is that something you consider doing, George? I do speak to my competitors. Uh, I would say on a more, more, more or less regular basis. Okay. Uh, but uh, I mean, 
it's not it, we, we're always trying to innovate and we're always trying to be one step ahead so in that in that sense um, I'm not sure that we would really share what kind of uh, what kind of insight we have on markets and what's coming up just because we've naturally just been always been the leaders in the industry and we usually get 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 followed but uh, but I mean yeah it is common to to sit and have a chat about certain jurisdictions see I didn't know true. see I didn't know that that's new information I thought people would be quite protective of of you know and sort of the competitive nature would mean that you don't, you know, talk to each other. But I guess that's interesting. Well, also what's happening is you'll have cross-pollination of staff. So if you think you can just live in some kind of isolated wall or bubble where your competitors won't know what you're doing, you know, people will move from one brand to another. Some of the employees of Pepsi have worked at Coke and vice versa. Yeah, this is true. We were talking uh, quite a lot in, in, in some detail today about dressing for success. We are running polls on Instagram and Twitter. Lots of you getting in touch. Dr. Ahmed mentioned... Um, uniforms. We had someone text in about uniforms, and they he said, "Does does wearing a uniform mean we're all the same? Is it cancelling personality or is it a kind of discipline?" And I guess in 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 schools, at least I know there's been lots of studies done on whether kids wearing a uniform is, is more beneficial. Do they get better results versus places where they don't? And I think there's an argument on both sides, but uniform can be helpful, and it can sort of be a leveler sometimes with people. Well, there is there is a level definitely of discipline. I think uniforms I might be mistaken but I would I would think started in the army and that's you know to take away from the individual individual uh, the individual mentality of people and, and see yourself more as an army or as a group or as a team or as whatever it is and there's definitely there's definitely a side of, of wearing uniforms so that is where you know we're a team rather than you're a person or it takes away from your uniqueness and so on so uh, so I kind of I kind of agree with him on, on what he's saying I don't know what's your what's your view on it well I think we're all wearing uniforms and I think a lot of people don't realize that so whether you want to uh, uh, acknowledge it or not, we're, when we walk out of the house, we're wearing things that signify which social stratum we're, we're identifying with, which group. So one of the odd things about human individuality is that it's really only defined by the groups that you, def- that you uh, 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 identify with. So when someone walks out and wears a, ro- a Metallica t-shirt or someone else is wearing a polo Ralph Lauren shirt, they're really trying to uh, say where they fit in this in society. So, and this is what I tell a lot of young consultants as well, because when you're early career, you think you're at a fashion show and you're trying to match your cufflinks with your tie. And I'm like, listen, you're wearing a uniform. Look at what the top CEOs are wearing. You're going to find they're wearing a white shirt, red tie, right? Or, or a light blue shirt. You know, it's just very limited. The, the, the suit is going to be dark blue, dark yeah, gray blue, or black, yeah. Yeah. right? And so you are wearing a uniform, whether you like it or not. And it's all about conforming because as soon as you sit down to do a deal, you're trying to understand is he with us? Is he against us? Where is that bridge, right? Because mm. uh, we're all tribal. We all, every school has a rival school. Every city has a rival school, a rival city. Every country has its rival, you know. So you don't want to be in the rival group. You want to be in the in-group. So you want to wear the uniform. Okay, let's move on to number three. This is all about waking up early. And when you say early, Shane Phillips, you're talking about 4.30 in the morning. Yes, well, I think... Um, it's just a proven fact that people who earn in the top 1% or top 0.05% get up early. They put in a few hours before anyone else comes into the office, right? Um, and whether you can see the same thing with sports, uh, you know, it's not necessarily that you're going to earn more just because you're a genius. It's really you're earning more because you have worked harder. You have spent more time developing your capabilities. You have just logged more hours doing that activity. So you're more efficient, more productive, and more of an expert in that area. 
So getting up early is is core for your success. And it's very rare that you're going to find someone that's sleeping in until 9 or 10 a.m. and is still going to be operating the top 1%. Okay. If you're, if you're waking up at 4.30, what time are you going to bed? You're just going to bed around 10 a.m. Uh, sorry, 10, 10 p.m. PM. <laughs> <laughs> Wake up at 4.30, bed by 10. I've done, <laughs> I've done everything hey, I'll, I need I'll to sign do. Up for, I'll sign up for that any day. <laughs> yeah, but if you look at from 5, so then if you're working from 5 a.m. to 9, you're putting four hours extra in a day, uh, and that's 20 hours extra a week. That's uh, So every two weeks, you're work, for an average person works two weeks, you're working three. So it's very difficult to compete with someone who's, who's driving at that rate. Okay. Number four. Now, this is the pillar of all five, I think. Stay focused. Yeah, I think focus is is core, right? Because a lot of people go and they do their MBA and they have what I call MBA-itis where, you know, you think that because you can you uh, you can understand that in this geography, they don't sell blue widgets. And, and if we sold blue widgets, we'd make money. That's not really what business is about. Business is more about uh, managing risks and uh, and being able to move your product through a value chain. And um, and that takes years and years and years to really understand how a market ebbs and flows and how your how your product or or market is going to react in a bear market versus a bull market, and all of those nuances. So really staying focused. And when you look at the highest paid CEOs, whether it's here in Dubai or it's uh, anywhere in the world, you'll generally see that they have had you know one job. Like right now, Bob Iger is getting a lot of attention as the CEO of Walt Disney. He's he's never. Uh, uh, he's never applied for a job. He started as a weatherman for ABC. Disney bought ABC and he's moved mm. his ranks up. You look here, you know, one of the big success stories of Dubai, there's so many, but one that we all have uh, experienced is Dubai Duty Free. And Carl McLaughlin, who, uh, who, who had uh, set that up, he worked at the first uh, Duty Free in the world in Shannon Airport. So he has a long history of retail, mm. 45 years plus experience, right? So the second that you start shifting industries, you're losing that market equity and you're never really going to get into that top 1%. And this is where very smart and highly capable people actually suffer more because you went to Harvard, you have, or, you know, you're a very capable person. So you move into investment banking, then your friend gives you a job in private equity, and then you move into strategy consulting, and then you move into a family office. And then, you know, when it comes for a CEO role, they're like, well, you're not really an investment banker and the P guys, well, you're not really a P guy. And the strategy consultants are like, you know, so you, you knock yourself out for the C-level position. And you have to remember that as you move, you know, up to go from a C minus one to a C is like only 3% of people will make that jump ever in their career. So, you know, the ability to go from manager to senior manager, it's like you have an 80% chance to make that jump. But to get into a C-suite role, it's much more, uh, much more uh, competitive. And so you need to stay focused and you really need to understand your industry inside out. You need to be an expert. You need to be a specialist, especially now as the global economy has kicked off, we can all buy products from all over the world. Who are you going to buy from? Someone who's a generalist or an expert? We're going to pay premium for experts. So stay focused, become an expert, create a long, a big vision for yourself and don't veer. Number five. Finally, have a larger than life vision for yourself. Dream big, think big, Shane. Yeah, I think the number one thing in the world for you, for your career, for your country, for anyone who's in a leadership role, and at the end of the day, you, in, in the bare minimum, you're, in, you're taking leadership of yourself, is vision. So if I ask you, we're going to make a hamburger that's going to be the best-selling hamburger in the world. You're going to say, 
you need good beef, right? Fair to say. You yeah. need good. You need good buns. You need good lettuce. You need good condiments, right? So I say, great. Well, you go in the market. The best-selling hamburger. This is a fact. So this is a fact. The best-selling hamburger in the world is a Big Mac. Sixty-nine million customers a day by McDonald's. Now, anyone thinks that they have the biggest, best beef? No. But what really made them number one was vision. Ray Kroc sat down and he did not know anything about hamburgers. He was not the McDonald's brother. He was not the guys with the techno. He was simply the guy with the vision who said, we're gonna build the biggest hamburger restaurant in the world. So, you know, when you sit down and you say, okay, I want to be a musician, you say, oh, well, you'd have to have a, a good voice. You'd have to have, you know, be able to play an instrument. Well, you look at Gangnam Style, okay? He, a lot of people wouldn't say he has the best voice, right? He did, I haven't seen him play an instrument. I've never met him personally, but... <laughs> 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 but what drove his success is that he said, I'm going to be number one. And he's the first artist to break a billion views on YouTube. You can't take that away from the guy. And at the crux of it was not capability. It's, you know, what a lot of people don't realize is that you're the best and strongest competitive advantage you can develop in your life, in your career, in your business, in, for your nation is vision. And that's the easiest one that you can take, right? And it will trump talent. It will trump capability. It will trump resources. Okay, that's all we've got time for. Big thanks to Shane Phillips, CEO of the Phillips Group. Always a pleasure, Shane. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This is Dubai I 103.8.